Hey, 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 Closet Busters and Bold Move Makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloset. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the Bold Move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloset. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. So just for a moment, I want you to imagine that you're growing up in a country where, yes, being LGBTQ is so, so, so not accepted. But because of that experience, you decide you are going to be who you want to be through the twists and turns of your life. And you're going to write a book about it, but you're going to do it under a pen name. And because of everything that happens, suddenly you find yourself in jail. And then years later, you find your way from your home country to the U.S. And you continue your journey being who you want to be in the world. Everything from being a fitness person to a model to working in many, many different things and then writing the continuation story of that book. Well, today's guest is going to share his beautiful story He's going to talk about his brand new book, If My Mother Never Left, and he's going to give us an insight of what is it like when you really are truly having to hide yourself to protect yourself and to ensure that your truth, your story gets told. His name is Barack Ilmaz. He is the author of my, If My Mother Never Left and a couple other books. And I just want to say thank you so much, Barack, for taking time out of your busy day. I know you're working in New York City today, but taking a little bit of time to chat with us here on Life Uncloseted. So Welcome to the podcast, my friend. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Of course. So quite a story you have here, man. You're from where? Where's original home country? Um, Turkey, somewhere close to Istanbul. Very, very, very small town where everybody knows everybody. And did everybody really know the true story until you wrote about it? Nope, nope. And everybody thought they knew, but nobody knew anything. Um, right. So that made it more interesting because, you know, people love to do assumptions about other, about other people. Right. So let's let's kind of go back because the story that began actually was because of your first book. And well, actually, it even started before that. I mean, you've had quite the tumultuous history of sexual abuse and a mother who left and all these different things. So kind of take us into the story of Barack as a child, and then let's move forward into coming, you know, coming of age and coming to your truth of being a gay man. Well, you know, when my mom was around and, you know, we were, we were like two sisters, you know, like I was just like with her all the time, dressing up, doing makeup and hair, give each other feedback about the clothing that, you know, looked good or didn't look so good and then all of a sudden you know she left with uh, my father's best friend she fell in love with and they created another life um, and then I was in behind and you know like um, kind of grew up as foster care from there mm -hmm. to there going to religious boarding school learn about Islam but I learned more than Islam and you know like harassment and you know things that happened in the you know boarding school right that lead changed my life and you know went into different direction so to say and my father wasn't around either so and all of a sudden he came back and he realized that he has a gay son 
Mm. Uh, you know, just he decided that, you know, I don't belong in that family on the street, try to survive and uh, end up with stories that, mm -hmm. you know, made my first book. Right. Right. So what was, you know, I'm sure you've been asked this a hundred times, but here you are. What age were you when you got put out on the streets? Around 16. <clears throat> um, yeah. Couldn't finish high school. I remember. Right. And, uh, you know, that's that, that, that age, you know, and that to me, not only is it tough to like <clears throat> have that issue happen, but at 16 years old, yeah, you kind of can, you kind of got some understanding of the world and how to make things work. But then here you are on the streets, then you got to survive. You got to find your own path. And then on top of that, you know, within yourself that here you are, you are a gay boy. It had to be just so heavy on your, on your psyche and, and just survival mode, I would anticipate. Well, you know, like that's where I learned how to learn quickly, mm. you know, and you know, like, and then I go to work and they said, oh, you know what, I'm a quick learner. But in my head, I have something different. Like I learn really quickly. Right. And I, because I had to, to, in order to survive. And in the job application, in the interview, they said, you know, like, oh, you're quick. Uh, yes, I am quick learner. And I know I am quick learner because that's mm -hmm. how I survived. And on the street, the street had different rules. And you do or die moment every second. And, mm -hmm. um, I did things that I'm not really proud of, but mm. also helped me to survive. Um, so when I look back, um, of course, with lots of therapy, I learned not to feel bad about those moments and just learning moments and move forward. You know, I don't, I try to not to hold those moments. But wouldn't you, back. wouldn't you say though, because I think all of us have had, and not to the extreme, I'm not going to say my, my experiences are to the extreme of being thrown out on the street. But in those moments where we're doing whatever it is we have to do to survive and to thrive, without those moments, I know for me <clears throat> that in those moments where I kept hiding myself and living the double life of being a straight guy and knowing I was gay and getting married to a woman and having children and all that, in those moments where I was in my deepest despair, I was also starting to get to the truth of who I really was and what I really, how I really wanted to show up in the world and to be unapologetically who I was meant to be. So don't you feel that as hard as those moments were, look at where you are today and without those moments, do you think you would have gotten to where you are today? That's all, that's my book all about. Should have, would have, could have, who knows? Mm -hmm. You know, like I could, I'd be like, maybe I was a medical doctor now, or maybe something else, maybe a fashion designer or something. Like, it's just like, uh, that's why I say, if my mother never left. Right. What right. could happen? Like, what would I be? Like, what would I be doing? Like, who knows? Like, I wouldn't maybe be here, you know? Just like, mm -hmm. But again, I'm so grateful for where I am right now. And I have no regrets. And I have... I wouldn't say good or bad, but I have such an interesting life that mm. I probably wouldn't change any moment, you know? Mm. Um, mm. And, and I'm so proud of myself for everything that I've done. I could have done. I tried to do right. it every moment. So when you look at these moments and, you know, there's moments where I, like you, there are things I am not proud of whatsoever i mean the whole time that i was married the 
the infidelity and cheating on my wife with men. Not proud of that. It was a survival mode sort of instinct. And people say, well, why didn't you just leave sooner? I'm like, because you don't understand. Unless you're standing there in that space, you don't get it. For you, it was like, they if don't. I actually revealed who I really was, and then you did. You ended up in jail, correct? Yes, but I also revealed other people too. But did you? <laughs> right. right, exactly. But it, it's this interesting thing that happens that people... People, and I think all of us, I don't want to diminish this because I think every human being has their own interesting hiding in what it is. But the depths of that hiding and the depths of trying to survive is the thing that unless you're standing in that person's shoes, you cannot comprehend why the decisions were made that they made. So, so in your jail time, what was some of the biggest fears you had? What was like, am I going to thrive? Am I ever going to get out of here? Were there like sexual encounters happening in jail as well as, you know, from your past life? What was like the essence of that whole experience? All I could think is that I hope the afterlife as what they say mm. it is. That's what I could think about because, you know, before life was like, like when I was there, it wasn't so pretty. Right. I, all I was thinking is, oh, like, I, I thought I was going to die there mm. because mm -hmm. when I walked in, the first thing I saw a reading on the wall, it said, there's no God here. Wow. That's got to be scary. Yeah. That means actually in Turkey, we're going to, you know, judge you. We're going to, you know, like, I don't know how to, like, there's no translation for that. Right. There's no God means is don't pray. Nothing will help you. We'll, we'll, we'll take care of it. Well, right. You're kind of, you're on your own. Good luck. That's yeah. it. Uh, yeah. Wow. And I thought, like, you know, watching all these movies, I said, can I call my lawyer? Right. They were like, <laughs> no. <laughs> like, no. I said, can I call my publisher? Can I call my agent? You know, right. they were like, no. Wow. Um, and, you know, then I I lost it. It's just like, I, that's when I started making jokes about like the difficult situations that I was in. Like, I literally, my nerves, you know, just like start acting differently. And I start like laughing. It's just mm. like, you you know, this is a joke. And I start making jokes like, can I call the God? Right. You know, just like <laughs> those kinds, of, that, that kind of like, like, you know, I started making fun of things because I didn't know what to do. My body was like, my nerve was taking over. And so it was like the scariest moment of my life. And what, what kept you going though there had to be you're having those moments where you're having humor and all this but what was the thing that kept you moving forward one police officer you know how like uh some people say it's only take one person to believe you that one police officer from all those i looked at me and i saw in his eyes that i said he is going to be my rescuer mm. and there he was like he was the one who convinced other people to stop. This wow. is enough. Yeah, let you know, let let him go and all that stuff. Like, you know, I don't know what was about him. I don't want to point it out because you know I just didn't have that conversation, so I couldn't make right. the assumptions. But he and I had some kind of connection without talking, hmm. and that saved my life. That's amazing.
And sometimes it it is those connections. I remember when I finally met the guy in London who was the reason that I finally came out of the closet. It wasn't because it was great sex. I mean, okay, it was there was no sex. I mean, we, we played <laughs> around and all this sort of stuff, but it was seeing the reality of that I could feel something for this person beyond the wham, bam, thank you, sir, real quickies I used to have. And it was like, similar to you, I felt like I finally saw something that I'm like, this is my way through. Mm -hmm. And was it easy? Hell no, it was not easy whatsoever. But I think for each of us in many places in life, we have those moments, whether it's a person or a situation where we finally go, aha, this is the right. way, this is the way, right? Right, right. So, just, just like the, 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 the spiritual connection, put it this right. way. Like, it's just kind of like you feel it. You feel the energy, you feel like uh, tension and everything, and you don't have to talk. You just know it. So I'm curious because you mentioned this. There is no God. You see that as soon as you walk into the jail. And there, there is was, no I God guess. here. Okay, he yeah. was my God. <laughs> I guess, obviously. But how did that, I mean, you've been raised Islam your whole life at that stage, right? That was your upbringing, correct? Yeah. So like when I opened my eye, I so, so when I opened my mouth, so I said, uh, you know, it got, this is where I, it got worse. So they were like questioning my religion and like, is it right or is it wrong? What I've done, what I was doing and everything. And I, I asked them, I said, where is your religion education, by the way? Mm. You know, uh, you know, uh, this kind of thing. I said, yeah, um, I, you know, I memorized Quran from beginning to end. So how much do you know? Mm -hmm. I got as you say, quote unquote, proper religious education. Where right. did you get your religious education? You're here and judging me, my religious uh, belief, and what is that, what is right, what is wrong, with no education. Mm. That got worse, and then I, that 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 moment, my nose was broken. Wow! Wow! Yeah. That, how did this? How did this affect your your tie to your your faith, your Islam practice? Um, I'm very spiritual, so I I respect all the religions, and I love uh, people have something connect to, makes them do the right thing, or you know, just like inspire them and everything. You know, I'm so I move by it, like mm. you know, every like as long as you have some kind of belief and will help you to help another person, you know, not judge, be nice, and you know, just like uh, right. do the right thing. That is the religion for me. If you follow this, then we have the same religion. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Because there was a moment that, um, and those who've listened to the podcast over the years have probably heard this story, but it's been a while since I've told it. There was a moment that I was on on the beach, drunk. <laughs> surprise, uh -huh. surprise. Drunk and on a beach. Well, I was on, on the gay beach in Laguna Beach, California at night. I know exactly what it is. I tried to spend some time there. And... I was drunk and I yelled at God. I, I was the only one on the beach at that point in time. And I yelled at him. And I said, okay, if this is really wrong, then take me out. Just take me out. And I woke up the next morning on the beach, sound asleep with the water rushing over me. And that morning I'm like, okay, I guess I'm not, I'm supposed to be here. Right. And that was the moment that I, I mean, I'd already come to some 
realizations around my faith and my religion. I was raised Seventh Day Adventist, and I by the time I was in college, I'm like, I there's so much of this I just I can't I can't align with. It is not in my core. But that moment was when I realized, similar to you, that I realized I'm much more of a spiritual being than a practice faith being. I believe in something greater than myself. I know I wasn't just put here to have this you know, human experience, so to speak. And I really started dialing into it. And that was another big piece of the puzzle for me. Cause I'd already come out by then I'd come out to my wife, but we were in the throes of like, we were separated and we were trying to, you know, manage being a divorced parents and all this sort of stuff. And I was trying to find myself as not just a hookup gay guy. I was trying to like, I want to have a man in my life and I want to be able to date. And so everything was just crazy. Right. And I remember walking back up because I lived right right across from the gay beach there in Laguna. I was walking back up, crossing the highway to get to my apartment, covered in sand, soaking wet. And I thought, I finally have been cleansed. I've been it's it's washed over me, my truth. I am for real. And it was such a pivotal moment, such a pivotal moment. So so you get out of jail. And you realize staying in Turkey probably isn't the best space for you, correct? Right. And then I just gave all my rights to my publisher. I said, I need money this much. So I moved. Uh, my friend was coming to New York. He said, like, I-, I will help you. He's a designer. We came to New York. No English. No word of English. And, you know, age of 23 in February 20- mm. 2003. So it's like 20 years ago. Wow. And so that, you know, came here. And as soon as I got here, like people would have peers. I was the opposite. I never, ever felt so much peace because I didn't understand what people were saying. Mm -hmm. I didn't, like, I thought I was the only one, the entire world, because I just, like, I'm in a different place. Nobody knows me. I don't know them. I don't understand them. they don't understand me. This is like the perfect moment. Right. The peace and the security and everything came in the same time. You know how like that's like they have this aha moment. I was like, ah. I had a first night of sleep, like full night of sleep. And I was like, and I knew I did the right thing then. I love that piece because here's the thing that so many of us in our LGBTQ journey. We, yes, we can get thrown out on streets. We can feel isolated, all that sort of stuff. The challenge is we're still surrounded by so many people we know. We're still surrounded by people that we can we can hear the comments. And, and so I love this. It's almost like you were put in this little capsule. Like, I mean, yes, you could hear people, but you had no idea what people, you know, until you started learning the language. But there's almost like a beautiful solace to this. Like there, Like you said, there's a piece to like, I don't really know what people are saying. And guess what? Nobody knows me. In fact, we had a similar experience. I remember in London before I met the guy, we were there and and I finally ventured out like, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to the gay bars in London. It was just me that my coworkers were out doing stuff. And of course I had this fear because I had a lot of gay coworkers on that trip with me. I'm like, well, if I go to the gay bars, they're going to see me. Right. And then I'm kind of like, well, but what if somebody does see me? I'm like, well, if they're my gay coworkers, so what? They're going to know it. Right. But I, I remember standing outside. Of, like that. Yes, but I remember standing outside the bar, going, 
but what if somebody sees me? What if somebody sees me? What if so-? I'm like, Rick, you are 5,000 miles from home, man. Who, what are the chances that anybody is going to see you? And that was, again, this was the perfect storm for me. It's like, well, nobody could, even if, what are the chances, number one? And then I met this guy and it wasn't just sex. There was no sex. It was more just a lot of intimacy and stuff. So what a beautiful way to come into your own and really experience peace of mind because right. of that insulation around you. Yeah, but in the same time, it was like, for me, it was the next level in a good, like, for example, I was thinking, okay, I was on the street at 16 years old. At least I knew the language. I kind of knew where to go, where to, like how to move around and everything. I'm like, I jumped one level. Here you go. Right. Same situation. And the difficulty was a little bit like uh, went higher. You know how you play with your games and difficulty mm-hmm. goes higher? And this right, is right. how you feel like. So I'm like, next level, okay, difficulty is higher, which is uh, this time I'm taking your language away. Right. And I'm going to take away from like uh, the things like the you don't know around so that I cannot navigate. That's taken away from me. It's just like a video game. Okay, now a few powers taken away from me. So here I am again on the street. How do I do this? Oh my God. Just like it's crazy. <laughs> but now I feel like whatever it comes from of me, as long as it's not mm. dead, it's not, right. you know, like I feel like I could deal with anything. Mm. That's amazing. You know, I, I, I couldn't deal with the jealous boyfriend, but I could deal with the rest. I could deal with the rest. <laughs> well, it's it's not easy. It's not easy to deal with jealous boyfriends. Let's just let's just leave that one at that. I mean, or I being a jealous boyfriend, easy. I'm like sometimes when I felt jealous, I'm like, come on, Rick, wake the fuck up, man. You just let it go, okay? But um, right? it isn't easy. That that's a whole that's different like the conversation. That's most difficult. That was, yes. that's like the most difficult thing for me or for other people to deal with. Uh-huh. Right. But the rest is easy. Right. <laughs> I know it, it is interesting to when you've gone through these really traumatic experiences, right? To see what you're capable of dealing with. And then something like being jealous shows up and it's just like the freaking end of the world, right? It's just like, oh, right? but like, uh, you cannot yeah. think anything else. You cannot even no, move. No, no, no. It's, you know, I've had, I've had two strokes in my world and, and I'm like, ah, those were pieces of cake, but put me in a place where I get jealous of something. I'm like, I'm a freaking basket case. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So then, you know, it's been, you've been here a while and everything, but this, this book about your mother, um, it probably was sitting within you for quite some time, like to really have like this open dialogue in a book conversation about what would have happened. So what was, what was the thing that really got you going? Like, I need to continue the story. What was the, what was behind all of this? Everybody wanted to know what happened after the book. Mm-hmm. And while I was trying to deal with those things, you know? Yep. Oh, did you write a book? Oh, yeah, I did. So where is it? In Turkey. Is it in English? <laughs> no. Are you going to make it in English? No. Um, so are you sure you don't want to make it? In, like, you know, it's just like, on, like always like the conversation, like especially when I meet with someone, like, you know, hey, right. you know. I was like, okay, 20 years anniversary. Uh, and, you know, that, now that I have a title of being a registered nurse and I, like, you know, finished uh, right. one of the top universities and with 
really good grades and scholarships. You know, if if it goes like they, how can I explain it? People love to take some information from you yeah. and turn it against you. Wow. And it's just like I didn't want them to almost like don't read it and don't know it and everything. I freaking everybody knows everything. Everybody finds out. Even you try to hide it or things like I try to not to lie, but I also maybe not say it. And they find it anyway. They find all the information. I was like, might as well. Here you go. Well, this is what happened after the book, which is like the points that I didn't want to talk about. Let's say uh, being like, you know, modeling, bartending, and my California days, um, mm-hmm. and moments that coming home depressed want to try to kill myself almost kill myself end up in psychiatric mental health clinic or in a hospital um stay there for a while you know come back get out and you know change my life fail gvd twice go to beauty school drop out and you know like all this trying to figure out like you know like uh could have would have should have like could i become or you know I went what people thought you know, was appropriate for me. You should be, oh my God, you should be hairdresser. You would be great. Okay, try that, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said, okay, so uh, your your uh, idea of me didn't work. So let's see what idea of me about myself. Will it work? Which was like mm-hmm. medical field. I always wanted to be in medical field, always. And I said, let's start with small pass GED, go to college, go to a nursing school, you know, be a nurse and everything. And it worked out. I love what I do. I love helping people. I love being healthcare. This is this was my calling besides mm-hmm. writing. And I love stories. Mm-hmm. So every patient of mine have a story. And I love listening to them, you know, just like kind of like them, them. And you know, it just like gives me life to see other people's life. And you know, just like I don't know. I just love stories. Well, and I think that's the thing is all of us have stories. Not all of us can be a writer. Let's just be honest, right? Yeah. But I think in many, many ways, each of us has stories. And if we don't give ourselves permission to share our stories, people can't grow and learn and empathy cannot, you know, cannot prevail. I think when we don't share our stories, it gives other people the permission to continue to do the hateful and horrible things that happen. I'm not saying by telling our story, it's going to stop it by any stretch of the imagination. But I know for me, even when I am in my worst, like, fuck you. Yeah. I mean, I try to step, I try to step away and go, okay, well, okay. Help me understand. Tell me the story behind that. You know, tell me the story about why you believe that, you know? Right. Doesn't mean I'm going to change, but I'm trying to get to, I want to get to know you a little bit better, right? Yeah. I, and you know, nobody, if we nobody don't do that, to, we get hurt. Yeah, nobody wakes up and say, you know what? I'm going to hurt someone's feelings today. Right. You know, yep. no, nobody says that, but things happen. You know, life happens. And then those moments, and then they lose it for one second. It takes only one second to lose it and break someone's heart yep. or curse or say something, you know, they don't, they don't mean it. And the pride comes in. There's no way going back apologizing because Mm -hmm. everybody thinks they're right. And they are right from their perspective because, you know, like, okay, you know, 
uh, I couldn't make it. Well, I couldn't pay myself. I couldn't pay my rent. I couldn't pay this. I couldn't. You know, all those moments, like you know, shapes you. Right. You know, mm-hmm. for example, um, I was a for for in my life for a few years. I was a really really mean person. Mm-hmm. Like so mean. You would say hello to me. I will make sure that I will break your heart. Mm. Make you like so sorry. Feel so sorry for like you know saying hello to me. I was that guy, you mm. know. I just like, uh, but when uh, when I had like all this spiritual work, therapy, and you know mental health institution and all that, I said, like, "Oh my God, I'm not that person," you know. And it took a lot of work to change to change that and finally find myself, so that you know. Look, it's okay. You you won't get hurt. They're not gonna hurt you. You know, just like you know, be yourself. Like you can be kind. Like right. when I was a kid, I was so kind, and I got so hurt. People were like so complained that I wouldn't curse. Mm-hmm. And I became it... opposite. Mm-hmm. Well, I also think sometimes when the meanness comes out, it's because we're angry that we have to hide a part of who we are. I was an asshole. I just, I was such an asshole. Well, yes, I was an asshole at times, but I was not a happy person when I was in the closet in my, I, I, and I loved, I loved my ex-wife. I definitely love my children. I, I mean, my kids are my life, but there was so much anger around having to like pretend to do this and then being this and pretend to do this. And, and always, you know, so people would say to me, you never smile. And I wanted to go, yeah, fuck you. Let me tell you same why thing, I don't smile. Same, right? Same 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 in the bar people come to me and would say even our bartending this is what i make money for you know just right. like smiling and people c- come to me and say well here's your tip but next time you better smile right. and i would just throw the tip back at them i would say take your tip i'd like a, you know like your right. your dollar is not going to make me and, and there's nothing more annoying. there yet. is <laughs> there is nothing more annoying to those of us who don't smile than somebody say you never smile come on show me a smile i just want to go yeah fuck you you know, <clears throat> now I don't. Now it's like I, I'm so much. I'm so happier. You don't stop now, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, nah. here, I'm going to smile yeah. all the time. Yeah. I'm going to drive you yeah. freaking nuts. Nah, right. Um, contagious. Yep. Right. It is contagious. But um, so let's a little bit talk about this new book and about, you know, you're, I loved how you said it. The woulda, coulda, shoulda. OK, you could do that all day long about what could have, would have, should have happened if mom had stuck around. But there's no guarantees. But the beauty is you're saying, here's the way I see it. And you're continuing the story. But do you ever find yourself getting caught up in your own head going, but what if? But what if? Every day. I'm sure. Every day. Every day. And when those moments come, that's my ego talking. Mm Mm-hmm. That is my yep. ego is trying to get me down again. And yep. I'm like, not this time, not this mm-hmm. time, Satan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <Yeah. laughs> no, it is it's such a powerful, it's such a powerful energy because, you know, there are times I'm like, okay, well, what, it, what, well, okay. So I did come out at age 19 and that's when my parents said, no, 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 you're not going to be that. Right. So I went back in the closet. 
And I'm really happy that that happened for many reasons, because it was right at the beginning of the AIDS epidemic. And I was not very, <laughs> I was not very sexually smart at that point in time. So I probably could have been one of the, you know, one of the people who would have passed from AIDS because I was just so sexually naive. Well, that's one could have happened, right? Another could have happened is I would have never experienced the joy of being a father. Another could have happened was that, you know, I come out of the closet and I never find happiness and true love. You know, all these things are things. But if I start letting myself spiral into it, and to your point, that's when the ego is going to go, come on, Rick, let me get you really super depressed and anxious and all this sort of stuff. I'm like, uh-uh, this isn't worth it. Because whatever that energy is that we're putting into that is the same energy we can put into other stuff. And it's, exactly. it, it's very difficult at times to like do that shift. But it's also when you start to see energy is energy is energy. Positive energy is just as it's still just energy as much as negative energy. And when I talk yeah. to clients about that, they're like, you make it sound so simple. I'm like, I'm not I'm not saying it's simple. I'm just saying this is reality. Right? This is reality. Right? Right? We're all given energy to use it however we choose to use it. So it seems right? to me from the, you know, the parts of your book I've read and everything that you really came into that spirituality of yourself, that truth of, yeah, this could, should have, would have happened, maybe. But you also embrace the fact of, I'm sharing this, not only so people can hear the story, but really to help guide people to, it's all in your control. Even when it's not in your control, how you react and respond is what's in control. Correct. Would you say that's Correct. one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. What other less? What other lessons would you like people to take away from your stories? Um, don't wait. You know, mm. don't wait. Like, you know, just, I don't say do it. Try it. Try mm. to do it and see, like, um, and please don't complain and not do anything. This is like the worst thing you could actually mm. not do anything to yourself. I, I couldn't even say you could do yeah. to yourself because yeah, basically you're not doing it. Yep. This is the worst thing you could not do to yourself and complain and not do anything and try to see a different result because this ain't going to happen. Mm -hmm. And, and, and you can't like, when I see people like that, I just like get so upset and try to shake them up, you know, just like do something about it. And, but um, it's so yeah. Brock, don't you think it's so interesting though? And I, I mean, I'm guilty of doing that too. You know, I can get into a complaining streak and like, eh, this and then that, 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 right? But what I find interesting is when I don't come up with a solution. Right. Then I'm just going to spin. I'm going to sit there and spin in my little victim mode. And okay, and I'll, I will give myself permission to play the victim for a little bit. Like, okay, just let that emotion be there. Just deal with it. Because if I don't kind of let it be there, then it's going to come back really quickly. But as soon as I'm like, okay, guess what, buddy boy? <laughs> you got 10 yeah. minutes. You get 10 minutes to go cry in the corner, so to speak, right? Um, but if you don't come up with a solution, you're just hurting yourself. Correct. Correct. Another thing is that you have to learn how to live with your ego because your ego will never, ever go away right and you nope. just have to know like it's just like it's your roommate yep. and you have to find a way to live with it mm -hmm. don't accept it but you have to be aware it's going to be there you know until you die right well it's just a and, part of who we are yeah 
but you have to get to know it, mm-hmm. you know, because otherwise, like, uh, once you just like, then you will be spiraling around, like, you know, just be, be, be the, uh, uh, you know, oh my God, I forgot the word, my English. Well, here's the thing that this was one of the most valuable pieces of my coach certification training <laughs> is when you realize the ego has a role and that role is to do things, to pay the rent, to tell you it's time to do this. It's time to do this. The things that like keeps your life moving forward. The ego is like the best taskmaster, like, well, let's do this and we do this and we do this. Where the ego gets completely screwed up is as soon as you let it start to be the emotion driver, the emotional part of your world. And I remember sitting there at first listening to this in training because it was early on in the train. They brought that <clears throat> that kind of concept up. And I'm like, I don't know if I buy into that. That's kind of crazy, right? It, I mean, the ego, you know, I was trying to, I was just beginning to understand ego and all that sort of stuff. And about three weeks later, we were back in a similar training that concept brought up and I'm like, okay, maybe I can, maybe I can try to buy into this idea. And I went away from that training and I said, okay, for this next week, anytime I start getting in my emotions or in my dumpsters or whatever, right, I'm going to invite that ego part to step aside and say, wait, you're not moving me forward. You're not getting me to do things that have to get done, like pay the rent and Make sure I'm taking my meds or what anything that's like, do this. You're the taskmaster. And it was so interesting, Barack, because I finally started realizing it has a purpose. So let yep. it do its thing, but yep. don't let it play anywhere in the heart and the soul. Now, it may be part of the heart and soul. Like, I need you to like step in and go feel your emotions and let your emotions be what it is so that you can make other decisions. Okay, ego's playing a little bit of part there. I remember coming back to the next training and we really started discussing this. I felt so much more relaxed. (laughs) I was actually smiling and the whole room was like, we've never seen you smile. I'm like, okay, are we going to do this? Are we really going to do this here? Right. (laughs) But I said, I think it's because I really finally, for the first time I'm getting a handle on how my ego can serve me and how it can hurt me. And that's really something to be really joyous about. Right, right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, once, you, once you start figuring these things out, just the life changes and everything becomes like so much more fun. Yeah. And that's what we want is fun, regardless of you have been through hell and back in your world. But I can tell by how you talk about stuff and everything you've gotten to do from, you know, modeling and, fit, you know, fitness. And now you're a nurse and everything. I mean, just the way you talked about being a nurse and getting the degree and everything, there's a joy in what you are doing in your world now. I mean, I'm sure there's days you're like, this is just ludicrous, but, <laughs> but there's a joy that I feel like you're emanating from. Would you say that's true? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Yep, I can say it's true. Um, there's a joy in everything, and um, just um, grateful, being grateful mm. for everything that I, you know, I went through. I'm going through. I have it. I don't, you know, all that. Awesome. So, what's next? Another book? Any books coming? Oh my forth god! <laughs> That's why I was like, I was just like, uh, I said, okay, here's the chapter twenty six and <laughs> happy ending. Uh-huh. I said I'm gonna be like Sarah Jessica Parker. While I was finishing chapter 26, uh-huh. I couldn't help but wonder, will there be a third book? 
Oh, uh huh. <laughs> it is. It's crazy. I just finished. I just finished writing book number two, and I'm sit kind of sitting on it, like I'm having some friends read it, and I'm like, give me some, give me feedback, give me honest feedback, oh and God. I'm like, and nobody's like that? doing it, and I'm like, okay, is it really that bad? Is it not good? You know. But yeah. then, even as I was finishing that one up, I'm like, okay, I'm glad I wrote this one, but then I'm like. I want to write that next book. And I'm like, no, girlfriend, come on. Uh, you just, happened? but I know I will. I know I will. There's a, there is a, another book that I started many years ago and then I kind of set it aside, but um, it is kind of interesting as authors. We like get one done and then I bet the urge will hit you. And um, uh, well, uh, I'm moving to Madrid. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. You go live, move to Madrid and have a very lovely <laughs> life. And I bet something in Madrid will inspire you to like, Think I'm going to write your your inner Sarah Jessica is going to come out and go, girl, come on, let's write this book. Girl, so, uh, it's a girl, girl. <laughs> exactly. Well, Barack, this has been so much fun having you on and speaking to you and and sharing. So again, the book is "If My Mother Never Left." It's available pretty much everywhere that you can probably get books. Not correct? Now. Not now. Let's correct that. Um, it's going to be March 16th. Yes. Available. Yeah. 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 I and, and it will be on the website, on my website, and I'll make sure that it's all over the uh, platforms of you know internet and everything. So that well, you don't, you don't actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna correct Barack because we're recording this early. By the time this podcast airs, it will be out. Oh so, my god! Yay. I yes. It's okay. It's okay. This is what Girl. I love about live podcasts. We're gonna we're gonna Girl. like yay. <laughs> No, it's all good. And I can't I can't wait for this to get out in the world because I think it's such a beautiful way of giving people hope and helping yeah. them see no matter what you go through, whether it's abuse or depression or gaslighting or homelessness or hiding your truth, whatever it may be, if you put your heart, soul and mind to it, you have the capacity to move beyond all of us. Love yourself. Love yourself. Love, love, love it. Yeah. Well, well, thank you so much, Barack. I so enjoyed getting to meet you and having you on here. I can't wait for everyone to hear this. And everybody, please go get the book. Go buy the book. Please go buy his book and help him just really get it out there in the world. And so appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for being here and being part of my world today. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. Thanks a lot. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end, and it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves, and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here at Life Uncloseted. Here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about. And you just might help change life. In fact, if you really want to change a life, we'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted. And never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted.